0: Up DMV Hoops fans, what is up, Wizards fans? I think this is going to be kind of a hybrid combo DMV hoops, believe in wizards episode because uh we're talking about DMV draft prospects, but also this applies to the Wizards. I think as somebody that the front office, you know, has all these second-round picks and they need to hit on some of these lesser heralded guys. So we've we've got local prospects for them to look at and then you kind of take uh take some note of. And to join me to go through this today, I have Nick Kalinowski, aka Cali Drafts. If you follow him on Twitter, if you don't, you should. It's a great follow for all things
1: NBA draft, especially. Um, So Nick, thanks for joining me, man. Of course, yeah, you were one of the first podcasters actually have me on back when I had way less of a following. So really appreciate um, you having me on back then and then inviting me back for this. This is a really fun topic. I know it's been in the works for a while and I've been excited for it. Yeah, thanks for doing it.
0: I I said this to you beforehand, but for everybody listening, there was nobody I could think of that would be better to do this than Nick because he knows all the deep cut guys and, and some of these are gonna be deep cut guys. So. Uh, unless you're a draft nerd, you might want to tune out here halfway through the show because uh, some of these guys will probably never see an NBA court, honestly, but uh, we're going to be thorough and comprehensive and at least just kind of give you the names to know and pay attention to. But first, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades. We're also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds lines and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, college basketball if you want to. Or you can bet on some of these guys even if you wanted to do that. Uh, bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get, uh, place your wagers live betting, uh, favorite casino and card games. They're, they're all available, uh, from their website or your mobile device. If you want to do that, use our promo code, believe BLEAV for 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online, where the game starts. All right, Nick. So I think, uh, the team we got to start with here is probably the guy like the team with the only guy that maybe gets a guy up into the lottery here this year, I think, uh, or in that range, at least. Uh, and that's your, you know, your alma mater here, UVA, uh, Virginia's probably biggest name guy, uh, for draft circles, I would say is Ryan Dunn. I don't know. So maybe let's just start there. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen Ryan Dunn, can you just kind of give us kind of the overview of, of what makes him, you know, an intriguing prospect for uh, NBA teams?
1: Yeah. So he's a very, um, divisive prospect i've seen him all over the place in terms of mock drafts i've seen him up in the top 10 i've seen him in the low first round even sometimes early in the second round mm-hmm. that's because he's almost two different players merged into one based off of what end of the floor you're looking at him on for on defense he's probably if not the best defender i've ever evaluated one of the top three for sure yeah um and that's because of the way he's able to like he has an insane length that a lot of people have but i've never seen anyone Control that length and utilize it as well as he does. Disrupting passing lanes, switching on defenders, going up for ridiculous blocks. He had like a seven-block game against Wake Forest. And if you haven't watched the the highlights of that, I would just go back and watch all seven of those blocks because all of them are different. Like and they're he not cheap down. blocks yeah. either. Like he, no. he he earns them. You know he's working no, for it. They're extremely difficult. There's like chase down blocks. He has some of those. He has some blocks in the post he has some blocks on threes he does it all um so on on the defensive end he would immediately slide in and be one of the top two players on any nba roster yeah, uh, on team. that end but unfortunately the nba game is not all about defense a lot it's mostly
0: it's almost not about defense shifted towards yeah
1: yes it mostly shifted towards an offensive centric game and ryan dunn how do I put this politely doesn't really have a very strong skill on that offensive end it's besides he can hang his hat on or anything Yes. Like besides maybe catching lobs. He can do that pretty well. He He's almost like Clint Capella offensively, yeah, you know, precisely. like
0: he's, he's a small ball five on offense, which is, which is tough.
1: Exactly. Um, His jump shot really is never really developed. It's never progressed ever since he first came to Virginia. Um, He's very reluctant to even take them at this point, yep. um, which gives an inherent advantage to the defense. You can just leave him out there, basically anywhere outside of 10 feet, mm-hmm. You're playing essentially five on four. And in more recent games, he seems to be even reluctant to get the ball in general. Yep. Um, like like uh, in the early season, like in the games against Florida in particular, you could see him attack the rim with, mm-hmm. with aggression um, and fervor. Whereas recently he just he just, just kind of like stands there catches it. it doesn't look like he knows what to do and then just immediately tries to get rid of it to it someone seems to...
0: like the confidence is like totally yeah. gone for him to he knows what he's even doing like yeah and, him.
1: and um it's made him almost a complete black hole on that end um so just it's... along those lines though real quick Nick so I remember
0: when uh, Marcus Smart first got drafted and he was so reluctant to do anything with the ball offensively because he was always trying to make the right play. And I feel like that's what Ryan Dunn does most of the time is like, he seems like a guy that's trying to play like good team, unselfish basketball to a fault where he would actually be helping the team more. Even if he took shots that he probably couldn't make just because it's, you know, it's at least taxing the defense enough that, that he could hit a few of them. But Along those lines, I don't think his jump shot is, like, broken. Like, this isn't, like, a Michael Kidd-Gilchrist situation where he's shooting, like, this sideways knuckleball. Like, it's a little rigid, I think, but I don't know. Where, do you think he is projectable as a shooter long-term, or is is this a total loss cause?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's a complete total loss cause, but it, all the indicators are not good. Sure. Um, Like, it's not just his three that's bad. His mid-range is also in the 20% last time I checked, mm-hmm. and his free throws are brutal to watch. Um they're he's not just the, like, like mid 50s from the free yeah. throw line too which but is they're crazy. not just like rolling off the rim misses he yeah. he has a couple air balls this year he's hit the backboard a couple he times he misses wide a lot which you don't yeah. want to see. Yeah. Um when I played basketball there was always like good misses and bad misses. Good misses mm-hmm. are front and back. Yep. Bad misses are on sides and he's a lot more bad misses than good. I agree. Um so it would it would definitely be a major major revamp there. Yep to me he's so
0: special defensively like we mentioned that wide range for him like i'm i'm of the like pro you know uh proponent here list like I, I think he's a guy i would take around the lottery just because if he's even projectable as a shooter uh he becomes like an instant impact kind of guy and he doesn't have like the creation kind of stuff that herb jones does but he's like bigger and i actually think some of this is like a little bit of uva just being a mess on offense too like the, this I, you know this much better than I do from, from watching all these games, but they're they're a tough watch offensively in general, and he would not be the first guy that we see leave uh, you know, that team and, and actually look better offensively once they're gone.
1: I mean, yeah, I'd love to see him in a more free-flowing offense. That's for sure. Um, Virginia's offense is very, very stagnant. It's a lot of just swinging the ball around and then letting Reese Beekman iso ball into the paint. Um as you said, it's not very exciting to watch. Um, for for Dunn, I think if, if he plays in an offense that gets out in transition, I think he'll thrive a lot. Yeah, agreed. Um, because he's definitely got all the athletic tools that you would ever want from a player. And one thing that I had a discussion with other draft minds about this class is that there are very few guys who have like an elite standout skill mm-hmm. in this class. Ryan Dunn is one of them. His defense is unquestionably um in the in the top ilk of yeah. any draft prospect in any class I think so. so if you're just banking on guys who have elite skills, then yeah, definitely take him in the lottery. I try not to
0: just like watch highlights of guys uh, every once in a while. I'll do it as like a refresher when we're gonna do one of these pods, and I can't watch like whole games or whatever, but Ryan Dunn is like one of the few guys where if you just search Ryan Dunn defense on on youtube and sit for a few minutes like watching defensive highlights shouldn't be as entertaining as they are but uh like you said he runs the full gamut here of of you know he'll like be good on ball off ball he'll steal the ball and have a run out he'll swat you at the rim like he'll weak side shot block i I mean he's um so thorough and and good kind of on on uh, both sides of of that so I, i think that's alone probably makes him the biggest of the names we'll talk about here and uh if, if I were the wizards and he's somehow available at like 26 still or 25 or whatever they take like that's a no-brainer to me you put yeah, him I agree out on the wing and you just hope that you can get him with Denny's shooting coach or whatever and, and hope mm-hmm. that that takes hold
1: he may need a, a couple time to- a little bit of time with the go-go too but yeah um I think if you pick him at 26 there's a lot less pressure yep. on him um uh, I remember we we would have discussions about Isaiah Todd, and um, it's not it worked out well for me uh, well so far. Yeah. But I think um, the difference between Dunn and Todd is that, to your point, uh, Todd was a very low field player. Yeah. I think Dunn, even though he doesn't convert many shots, knows what he's doing on the basketball court on offense, and I think that gives him a step above our previous mm-hmm. projects that yeah. we've tried to take in the draft honestly just the way the wizards have drafted
0: too. like i'd rather just take a shot on a guy that's just like gonna hustle and play hard as shit defensively and a yeah. worst case scenario if he just pushes everybody else in practice and makes them kind of up their level on that end too i think it's it's definitely worth it yeah. uh just in the chat here jimmy go outside ask can he be the next dennis rodman i, I think <laughs> the comp you know realistically that if you draft him this high the hopeful comp is like og Ananobi is like the kind of guy you're hoping he turns into is like a a big four slash three kind of guy who can, you know, guard one through four and maybe even some small ball five uh, sort of situations too.
1: I think what made what made Rodman special, of course, as everyone knows, is rebounding. Sure. Um, and while Dunn is a decent rebounder, he's not the greatest of all time, yeah. so I don't think he's going to create those second chance opportunities that that Rodman was so good at. Um, but within Um, a team structure. If you have four other guys that can stretch the floor, I think, and his immediate role, as you mentioned, hinted at earlier was, it's probably going to be as like a small ball, uh, four or five. I think so. So I think he could provide some productive minutes in that role immediately. Which is like a
0: Brandon Clark for Memphis that first couple of years, where like he was almost a small ball big, and maybe you can hit enough corner threes just to to keep people kind of honest. Something like that, I think, would be, would
1: be. We're not, we're not asking him to be an elite shooter ever. Right. Just mid 30s would be cool. Just to be respectable. Yeah. Just make, make the defense care that you're actually on the court.
0: So uh, I'm lazy, so I've not updated these stats. We were gonna do this earlier in the week here, and then I flicked out on on Nick here. So uh, these are from like middle of last week. But he was averaging about 9.7 rebounds, one assist, one and a half steals, two and a half blocks, about low twenties from three and mid fifties from the free throw line. So uh, you can really see kind of the the you know the the big split here. And it's very rare, I think, when a guy is elite like this defensively and a total nothing on offense. It's usually kind of the other way around. Yeah, around
1: so, yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Interesting to to see this kind of guy. So, uh, let's switch over to his teammate here, Reese Beekman. So, Reese is like kind of a little bit of both, I think, but not particularly great on either end of the floor, in my opinion. So, uh, he's like a six three ish guard. It's averaging fourteen points, three rebounds, about six assists, uh, two and a half steals, about two turnovers. Low 30s from three, but I think because of that offense, he gets tasked with taking a lot of like really tough shots, and he's the guy that has to throw up like the daggers at the end of the shot clock. And I think that's definitely hurt the percentage a little bit. Uh, when I see Reese Bigman play, I see good college player, but not an NBA player. Personally, I guess where are you at on re- uh, Reese Um,
1: I've had him fringe second round last two years. This class is weaker. I think he's probably still going to be in the. A- thirties to forties range for me. Okay. Um, I I'm probably a bit higher on his defense than you are. Um, I, he came in as basically a, a almost Ryan Dunn type, an exclusive defensive guy. Sure. And I think his offense has progressed to a point where he can be a useful player on an NBA court because when he, when he first came in, go back and watch his game winner against Syracuse again in the COVID bubble. Mm-hmm. His jump shot is like this. Yeah. I remember Very It's very it, it, ugly, wonky. Like, yeah. Um, and uh, the, just the progress that he's made over the last two or three years on that shot is enough for me to signify like, Oh, this guy's going to put in the work. Mm-hmm. This guy's going to dedicate himself to, um, becoming a positive impact player, however he can, um, especially on the offensive end. And then I, I, I never imagined even when he came in that he would be a primary creator yep. for the Virginia offense. And he's definitely turned into that and more. Um, I I totally agree with your point about how his percentages look a little low because I think his usage rate is higher, way higher than it should be. Yeah, I agreed.
0: It's a tough ask for some of the things they need him to do just because there's nobody else really making anything happen on on the court at any time. I mean, that's... Yeah, they they brought in all these transfers
1: and none of them have worked. And so it's a lot of the time to Reese speakman bailout ball, which Mm -hmm. has mixed results especially when you have him driving into three people in the paint. Um, but I think his, his overall finishing arsenal as a result has progressed uh, to a point where it used to be just like your standard guard layup package, but now he has double clutches, his reverses, he fights through contact. Uh, he's this nice, like little, little uh, floater push shot mm. that he uses to get over centers that he's, that he didn't have before. He also like banks a weird
0: amount of them in, even from head-on, right. which I don't know. I didn't think they were intentional, but it seems like he keeps doing
1: it, so I guess it must be. I, I think I think he can be a useful rotation player, for sure. Come in, play some tough defense, hit some open shots, be a relatively good secondary creator. I don't think he's ever going to be a starting quality player, but I think he's going to hang around the fringes for a while. And this is an interesting one because
0: of the teams we'll probably talk about, they have probably the two most legitimate NBA prospects of any of them, but it's been an overall underwhelming year for Virginia basketball. And uh, it it just, it's kind of funny. You would have thought if they had multiple like NBA guys here, like, uh, you know, they would be able to turn this into a kind of a, a more impressive season than they
1: have, but um, almost reminds me of Pepperdine every year. Pepperdine has four guys. Yeah. And they always have the worst record in the WCC. Like, how is that possible?
0: At least UVA is still playing good defense. Pepperdine has not played defense uh, in the entire time that uh, Lorenzo Omar's been there either time he's been there, I guess. So uh, let's keep it moving here let's go to the other kind of local-ish big name team that folks listening to may actually pay more attention to, and that's Maryland Terrapins. There was a lot of talk before the year that Deshaun Harris-Smith could come in and be a one-and-done prospect, and uh, that has very much not played out. It's like questionable if he's a Power 5 player after after year one. I think he'll get there. He's trending up, but Uh, It has not been pretty so far. So uh, just what are your initial thoughts on on DHS?
1: Uh, He's definitely a power five player. Um, I would agree with that point. Um, I think he just needs to get more confident and adjust to the college style of play. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he tries to do too much at times um, and try to be that primary creator and that dominant five-star guy that um, Maryland fans were looking for when he came in. And his skill level is just isn't there yet, but I don't think I would completely write him off as a draft prospect. I think he's shown definitely shown flashes. What, what was the game that he had like twenty points, nineteen points? Was it Indiana?
0: Yeah, he's had a couple this year, yeah. especially recently, where he's trending sort of like he'll have like a seventeen point, five rebound, four assist, yeah. two steal game, and you're like, oh, okay, this is something else. I, I think um, to your point, he, he is definitely a multi year project. So the one and done thing is definitely out the table, and I think the two year and done thing is is off the table here. Uh, He can't shoot on a team full of people that can't shoot, but at least some of the guys like uh, his, his other teammate, uh, Jamie Kaiser, there was some speculation that maybe he could turn himself into an NBA player here too, but uh, he's missing shots, but it looks like he can shoot Uh, watching DHS up close it's like a slingshot knuckleball combo. And I I just don't see any way his shooting form now is projectable longer term. So I I think that's going to be like a real point of emphasis for him development wise over the summer, because you know, you you can't just be bully ball. Uh, So if people can sag off you that much, uh, it's, it's really hard for him to kind of get downhill. And I think that's where he's, you know, at his best. It's
1: the Ryan Dunn issue without the elite defense. Yeah, exactly. um, It's, you're playing four on five on the offensive end of the floor and maybe you're not playing six on five on defense to make up for it. Right, exactly. No, that's a great way to look at it. So not, definitely not a prospect this year. As you said, I'm going to keep him on my watch list for next year just to see how he progresses. Um, You should, Drake should probably go up without Jameer Young being there. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, yeah, definitely in the multi-year project category, but um, big name, local DMV kid, I'm rooting for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just been like kind of a like a brutal year for Maryland fans, myself included. Here and and as it uh, mentioned in the chat here from it never makes no sense. The fit surrounding DHS at Maryland is atrocious, and I agree. They're, they're the worst shooting Power Five team I've ever seen, and I, I hate that I have to watch them as much as I do. Like they're so good defensively. I think Harris Smith actually a good team defender uh, for a freshman. Like he's not the one like getting burned a ton. Especially again later in the year here, so I think that's like the angle for him is just be a do it all, sometimes wing, sometimes you know guard, sometimes forward kind of guy, play multiple positions at the college level, and just uh, hope you can turn into like like a solid enough shooter to do some of those other things well. And uh, you know we'll we'll see. Uh, So he's averaging about seven points, four and a half rebounds, two assists, one steal. Last I checked, he was around eighteen percent from three on about two and a half attempts. And and that's just, uh, it's not going to get it done long-term.
1: No, that's not going to get it done short term, either.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Uh, let's move on to the guy on their team that I thought would turn into an NBA player kind of more so than, than he has, especially early in his career. And that's Julian Reese. There was at least like some talk of, okay, like he's making mid range jumpers in practice. Like he's got good touch around the rim. Maybe this is a guy that can kind of slowly back his way out into a three-point shooter. And now, over time, like he's developed this like, like incredibly weird hitch from the free throw line where he like triple clutches it almost, and it's different from game to game. Uh, it, it almost looks like he has the yips, uh, and and that's really just um, kind of a bummer to see because he's probably, I would say, one of the two most impactful bigs uh, defensively in the Big Ten right now. Like every, you know, defensive metric has him as like if not the big, you know, one of the two. And and I think he's like, you know, active and switchable. He collects way too many cheap fouls, but, um, you know, a mobile big that could at least kind of cover multiple people and, and protect the rim a little bit uh, is at least a guy that should be more on draft radars than he probably is right now. And that's because I think the shooting is just so non-existent beyond about like six feet.
1: Yeah. He was a guy who I watched his high school tape and I loved him. Yeah, coming out he was like athletic Mm -hmm. great defender um to your point um great team player um really stood out on like the 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 uh circuit tape that i watched Mm -hmm. of him um and then to your point he hasn't really progressed as as a matter of fact i would argue that he's probably regressed yeah i think Um, last year last year i was I, i don't i wouldn't have had him as a guy who declared Mm -hmm. Um, but I would have had him definitely for sure on my watch list coming into this year as Maryland's top prospect and a guy who could sneak easily sneak into the second round conversations with more progression, um, in his offensive game. And (laughs) you kind of mentioned it. It's gone backwards. Um, the mid range has completely disappeared. The, The three pointers never come along. Um, most of his efficiency numbers have dipped.
0: It's just left-hand jump hooks. Like That's literally the entire bag for him right now, and that's that's not
1: going to work at the NBA level. He needs to get back in the lab with Angel, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, Have her teach him some things. Um, But um, he's too small, I think, to be uh, a small ball five, uh, too lanky. Um, So his future at the pro level will probably be at the four. Hmm. And at at the, being a non-shooter at the four in the modern NBA is just not going to work, okay. and so his he's not going to be on an NBA court this year. Probably not next year. We'll see how the rest of his development fleshes out. If you're like a a Ryan Dunn type, where you're a four three and and you're a
0: non-shooter, but at least maybe there's some hope for the future. But you can guard multiple positions. Like that's a little easier, I think, to make it then four slash five you know like he's he's a big four and i i can't see him kind of going the other way and ever becoming more perimeter oriented and and you just don't see anyone kind of like that last in the league really of just i'm a four and basically only a four uh so i i think that's um
1: and you need a a, a pro head coach who's creative enough to scheme around that and i don't know if there are that many yeah. pro coaches <laughs> who are creative enough to hide
0: that I'm not sure that anyone alive is great enough to hide where he's at right now, unfortunately.
1: Julian Reese? No. Ryan Dunn?
0: Maybe. Oh, yeah, Dunn for yeah. sure. Yeah, I yeah. did. Uh, so Reese is about 13 and a half points, 10 rebounds a game, one and a half assists, 1.1 steals, two blocks, and 57% from the free throw line, uh, 0% from the three point line. That's just, that's going to be a non starter for LBA evaluators, unfortunately. Uh, all right, let's keep moving here. Uh, probably the last guy worth even talking about on, on this team is Jameer young. I I don't see a world where he's an NBA player personally, but there are a few more guys kind of in his mold or, or archetype that are starting to like hang around NBA teams. Like they're not exactly the same, but the Jose Alvarados and the Jacob Gilliards of these kind of undersized guards that are, are making life tough for people defensively. I think Jameer young is like really, really good defensively. And uh, he's a guy who can like pester the shit out of you, but Uh, He also has to carry such a heavy load offensively because no one else here is capable of doing anything. So I think that kind of hurts the defense a little bit here, but um, he's really athletic. He's under six feet tall. I would say whatever they list him at, I kind of don't believe he's, he's any bigger than that. Six
1: one. I think that's what they list him at.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Like I, have been near enough to him that that I don't personally buy (laughs) that, but um, you know, he's enough athlete to kind of make up for, for a little bit of the height there too. So uh, I don't know. Do you see Jameer young having any chance of being a guy that could, Get hot on a summer league team or something and and stick around longer term.
1: Um, so if he's under six foot, that gets a lot harder. I think there were at one point last year, there was only one player in the entire league who was under six foot. Jacob Gilliard made that too. Yeah. Um, but I I mostly concur with your scouting report. Amazing defender. Like one of my one of my um favorite players to watch on this list that we're gonna talk about today, Mm -hmm. just because of how active he is on both ends of the court. Um, I think. He's in the Reese Beekman boat, where his percentages are going to go up if he's not having to carry an entire offense on his back. Um, but as long as he can be a pest and um, keep scoring at a high clip and um, doing active point guard things, um, he'll he'll sh- he'll shine in the summer league. That's for sure. And there are a lot of guys of his ilk who do so and then get summer camp invites and then exhibit tens in the G league. And so they're basically kept on the NBA teams, like short list Mm -hmm. at that point. Guys who know the system can be called up for a 10 day um, whenever you need them to. So I think he definitely fits in that category probably as his um, median outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, I think his, his top floor is like a Jose Alvarado, like a guy who's come off give you a couple hard couple minutes off the defense just to annoy the crap out of critical
0: 94 feet. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't see him getting picked or anything Agreed. or um, getting 15 minutes a night on an NBA floor. But he's out of the three that we named. He's easily, he's easily got the best shot. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, he's a guy to
0: me that could just like cook people in the G league for the next five or six years. And you just see these like insane, Oh, Jameer Young had 31 points for the Capital City go go last night, kind of guys. And exactly, now, players like him are the reason why I've lobbied for like a third round of the NBA draft that's solely picking guys to go to the team's local G League affiliate. And then you just draft like regional rights players, like a Jameer Young goes to, to the Wizards, like, uh, <laughs> and he plays with a go go. Like, if I'm a Maryland fan, I would go watch a go go game just to check out, you know, how Jameer Young ended up essentially.
1: Yeah. Um, I think they would have to increase the value of G League contracts for that because I think yeah, for sure a guy like Jimmy Young can make a lot of money yeah if he goes to like an Australian team or something where the league is more wide open Yep. he's in he's going to score a lot of points yeah so, I totally agree
0: yeah so, you you need it to be a, idea, a, a solid six figure number uh you know yeah. and and with some upside there too. Uh, it never makes no sense asking the chat is Dante Scott, a G league player as a small ball five. I don't see it. There was a point early in the year last year where he was hitting like every three he took uh, to start the season. And I thought, well, okay, maybe, maybe there's something to this, but just kind of the back to the basket. I don't know. Fifth year senior who's still having like all these like bad defensive lapses and stuff like that. I just, I don't think there's any world where he steps foot on an NBA court personally.
1: Yeah, there was um uh... We we had a conversation before. I have I'm now a, a full time employee. Dante Scott's been in Maryland since I was in high school. Um, which should and he, he's still not anywhere close to being an NBA player. Agreed. So I mean, could it be a G League guy who gets like ten minutes a game? Sure. But I think he would make way more money overseas. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in total agreement.
0: Like, I, I think uh, there are a few guys that I'm like, why is this guy hanging around the G league? And I think it's lo- like largely because they just don't want
1: to like leave the area, which, yeah. Or they don't want to give up on their like dream. And the G leagues, technically the closest you're, you're going to get for sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. Let's stay kind of right around here and uh, move over to Georgetown. They're probably two biggest uh, or most realistic, or even though I don't know that they're personally, you know, personally all that realistic, um, the only two potentially viable, uh, NBA candidates on their roster here, Jaden Epps and Dontre Styles. uh, Epps is averaging 17 points, two rebounds, four assists, about a steal, three and a half turnovers, 31% from three, 37% from the field, which is tough to pull off. Maybe 38 he's up to, I don't know. Um, and then Styles is 13 and a half points, about six rebounds, about an assist, about a half a steal, about a half a block. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Where, where are you at with either of these guys?
1: Uh neither of these guys are full time prospects to keep an eye on for this year, or probably even next year. Georgetown has to get a much better team around them. If they're, they're two best team guys team
0: plus team. Supreme Cook, you're you're gonna
1: struggle the way that you you're Supreme you're cooked. cooked. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Well done. Thank you. Um but uh Jaden Epps is another classic undersized. What is it? He's listed another guy's, I think, is listed at six one. Um, yeah it's that undersized volume scorer Uh, this is going to be a common trend between Mm a lot of these guys uh, that we're going to talk about here Um, but unlike Jameer Young he's not as efficient I don't think he's suited to being a primary option at all Uh, he was actually a decent player at Illinois Mm -hmm. within their team system when he wasn't asked to do so much yeah but I think his upside is a high major third or fourth offensive option who's being asked to do way too much at Georgetown
0: and yeah, like the, the volume microwave score for a team, you know, and not much else. And now yep. he has to be the whole offense, essentially some nights. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Montrezl uh, at What? He was buried on the North Carolina bench for a while. Hmm. Um, he's like, I think he's a better prospect. I Epps, But yep. that's uh kind of bring out man. just the oranges here. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a little bit longer, a bit better defender. Bit better um, shooter as well, but I don't. I don't see anyone out of that Georgetown team cracking even a G League roster anytime soon. Yeah, they've got a good recruiting class coming in with Kayla
0: Williams and, and guys like that from SoCal Friends, and they're going to need a couple of those guys to pop and and some big transfer portal additions. I think. Epp said that one huge game uh, in like a secret scrimmage where he apparently scored like forty six of the I do teams, remember that. sixty yeah. points. Yes. Everyone was like is this the guy is he you know is he gonna go nuts and uh, unfortunately a secret scrimmage has been about the highlight of uh, the georgetown season so that that says a lot i
1: think you could also look to like a guy like who who is a similar mm, yeah. ilk barely played on illinois bench goes mm-hmm. to a team at a where he's the primary option then goes off gets drafted the nba you'd think epps would be the next in line the very similar path it's just not worked out that way yeah and that's that's unfortunate for
0: Georgetown fans. So any of you listening to this, we feel bad for you. And hopefully uh better days are ahead because probably like, can't get a whole lot worse. Um, all right, let's move back to the Virginia side of things here. And again, this is DMV hoop. So some of these were really stretching. Um, if you are within the state of Virginia, we're counting you uh for purposes uh for the pod here. So Hunter Couture at Virginia Tech, uh, this guy shoots the shit out of it. Like he's a he's a real deal shooter. Oh, yeah. I think they list him at six foot four also. I don't know that he's I definitely not six foot four. Yeah. He's closer to six two. two would be my guess as well. Yeah. Um, but he's averaged 14 points, about three rebounds, about two assists, about a steal, 43 uh, ish percent from three on high volume and about 90% from the free throw line. So I, I think he's a guy that, you know, if, if you need like actual shooting, he can come in and shoot at any level. I just don't see who he could guard at an NBA level, unfortunately. and, He's small. He's got to basically be a point guard, and he's definitely not that, in my opinion. So I, well, I don't really I, see a path here.
1: Yeah, when I think of Hunter Couture, I think of a guy who came out last year, Andrew Funk from mm-hmm. Penn State. Yep, has a very similar profile, both in terms of physical, kind of like a good
0: G League combine kind of thing. And
1: Physical, both physically and uh, skill wise, mm-hmm. very similar players. And what happened with him is he got was on the Nuggets summer league team, played really well, got a preseason invite. Stuck out, stuck on the team for most of the preseason, then got cut and has been hanging out in the what is it, Grand Rapids Gold, Mm -hmm. something, yeah, ever since. Um, so I think that's what Hunter Couture's up basically ceiling is. But I agree with your point, he's one of the best shooters in the ACC and in college basketball. Period, Um, coming off screens, uh, pulling up off the dribble, just regular catch and shoot, he can legitimately do it all at a very high clip, and that that free throw percentage reflects it. He's been doing it for years. That's his bread and butter. And he's, he's made a living off of it so far. And I think that's what he's going to have to bank on as being his ticket into pro basketball. I do think he's a guy that'd be like really valuable
0: for a team on their G league team. As you have these other kind of developmental guys, like just having one knockdown shooter to kind of like even things out and play solid team basketball, I think is kind of a, a valuable dude to have is just whether is that enough for him or does it make more sense to just kind of assume you're not going to make an NBA team and and go overseas somewhere.
1: The G league is somehow a more wide open play of basketball than the NBA is. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. Having lots of shooters is definitely going to help your, uh, your G league record go up. Mm -hmm. I Uh,
0: think Joe, Joe swams in the chat here. He thinks funk is on a two way deal with
1: the bulls right now. So there are two funks. Uh, there's there's Taylor Funk, uh, and then there's Andrew Funk. Andrew Funk, there you go. Um, okay, I think Taylor Funk might be on the Bulls. Got it.
0: That you guys are both better at this than me. My my G leagues, uh acumen outside of the the go go here is a little bit lacking, to say the least. Um, all right. Anybody else from any of the Power Five schools that we haven't mentioned yet that you think are worth kind of spending a couple minutes on?
1: Um. Isaac McNeely for Virginia, very similar to Couture, um, mm. I think, but somehow even better. Okay. Uh, shooting, what is it? 47% from three last time I checked and he's only a mm. sophomore. So very much in the Couture ilk. Um, outside of that, I I can't think of any on those four teams that are going to at least see an NBA floor and, recent future. Yeah, I'm with
0: you. Uh in the chat it never makes no sense asked about Malik Monk or Malik monk geez. Uh Malik Mack, sorry, uh been a long day or or Bob Carrington. Uh we're mostly doing guys playing on teams here locally, uh not just guys locally that are are playing well, but we could spend a minute on each. I think um uh, Malik Mack is a little small unfortunately at about 6-1 having a great year for for Harvard as a freshman but I think he's a guy that teams are going to want to see him prove it at a, at a power five level before he could probably realistically come out. That would be my guess. Uh, Bub Carrington kind of inefficient right now, seems to have his better games against sort of the lesser teams for the most part, but pretty impactful. Again, as a freshman, he's got kind of that Baltimore guard vibe to him too. So uh, two guys I really like to watch and root for, but uh, I I don't, I don't really know what their, you know, long-term, Futures in the NBA are, uh, bub specifically, I think was on some like fringe lottery kind of territory in some of these mock drafts earlier in the year. And I don't think he's still kind of in that range for any NBA team. I wouldn't
1: think. Yeah, you're exactly right with Carrington. He was really good early in the year, but Pitt had, I think the 298th best mm. uh, out of conference schedule or something like that, that stuff. So he was playing great against Purdue Fort Wayne, but when he came to the ACC play, he's really started to slide. Um, so I think if he can get a full year of ACC play under his belt, um, I think those skills should start to translate more next year. And I think he'll definitely be a guy to keep an eye on for the, for the 25 draft. Yeah, I think so too, but this year, I,
0: I would honestly keep an eye on both of them. If, uh, Malik the Mac ends up at like a Maryland or something like that, I think that'd be big for his, his chances of, of going longer term, but again, not the biggest dude. So you've got to be extra good to kind of make up for some of that stuff. So
1: is do you do you want to transfer out of harvard i mean I <laughs> I, i've heard
0: people say that maryland is the harvard of the college park area but uh but that's about a, as close as i think he's there you there. go uh you want to go for comp
1: size going to the right place I,
0: I did wonder about this too so is it better to stay and just like light shit up at somewhere like a harvard longer term or prove it at the big you know a bigger level i, I think if you think you're a real nba player to me, I would go to a bigger school and, and prove it to some people. You know, there, there's going to be plenty of teams that want, um, you know, his uh, his skill set. So I, I think that's probably more likely if he's like trying to get to the pros as, as fast as possible would be my guess.
1: Also, uh, side note, I, I just did some quick uh, research. It turns mm-hmm. out Andrew Funk is on the Bulls. So uh,
0: Joe killing yeah,
1: it, Joe. Good for you. <laughs> Keeping Joe, up with the up uh... transactions more than me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he's got Taylor Funk is on the go go too. So that's my guy. I'm going to for all the the uh, d- the G League stuff here. So I'm I'm glad somebody's keeping track here. So thank you, Joe. Um, all right, let's uh let's move a little to uh the mid-major level here, and probably my personal favorite of these prospects. I just love watching this guy play for some reason, and I can't totally tell you why, other than he's good and fun to watch. And that's George Mason's Keyshawn Hall. Uh, he's a sophomore. This is a guy that, uh you know, was popular on like Instagram and things like that, uh, as a, um, you know, a youth player because he was just had, you know, wing size, but guard skills and he would dunk all over people. And, uh, eventually goes to the college level and I want to say UNLV, I can't remember off the top of my head now, There's too many guys to think about here. Uh, didn't have a good freshman year, lost a bunch of weight. I want to say he, uh, we had him on this podcast early in the year here. So I would encourage him to go listen to that. I think he lost about 60 pounds and has now turned himself into a real NBA prospect. He's 6'7", he's bouncy, he calls himself Big Guard Hall because uh, he has actual guard skills. Uh, So averaging about 18 points, about 8.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Uh, The stock's not so great, half a steal, about a half a block, 2.5 turnovers, 35% from three on about 4.5 attempts, 85% from three uh, free-throw line. This is another guy that I think is a better shooter than that three-point percentage indicates because... Anytime he has actual space in his feeder set, I feel like the ball is going to go in the hoop. It's just uh, they rely on him to be their offense a lot of times. And and that's led to some uh, kind of like no, no, yes shots. And, and sometimes uh, it doesn't quite work out for him. So um, that's my take on Hall. I would take him in the first round. That's probably aggressive. Uh, Nick, where are you at with Keyshawn Hall?
1: I agree that there's not the hype train behind him that there should be. Mm-hmm. He's exactly what. Um, pro teams are are looking for. Yeah, that's the thing, right? He just fits in today's NBA, I think. In terms of really tall, initiator, can distribute, can handle, um, can be a a primary operator if you need him to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the defense is part of what's holding him back, but I also think that there's just not that momentum behind him, Mm -hmm. and that's harder to get at the mid-major level. Um, I think of a guy last year who was also kind of Instagram viral a bit, That was uh, DeShondre Washington, played at uh, New Mexico State before Mm -hmm. all that off-court stuff happened. Yeah, Um, He was a very similar type of player. um, But just uh, very good, um, very tall, very strong handle, could shoot the ball, but just didn't have that momentum behind him. And I think that's a a very real thing, even in social media, where they're like, you know, if you're good, they'll find you. Well, Keyshawn Hall's good, and nobody really seems to have found him yet. So it may it may take another year, whether that's a George Mason or otherwise, for people to figure that out. But I would probably have him well within the second round. I don't know if I go first yet just because I think the defense is still too weak. Um so but, well, let's spend one second on the defense here too. Because yeah. I,
0: I agree overall, like he's just not the effort isn't there to yeah. be good. And uh I wonder some of that is like situation because If you watch like the Dayton game, he shot very poorly overall, but he got to the line a ton, which was nice offensively. But on defense, I think the versatility he provides you kind of makes up for, you know, some of the actual like issues because in that game, he guarded both their point guard and Deron Holmes for decent stretches of that game. And Deron Holmes is probably another guy that's a fringe first round, you know, prospect and and probably a 10 player of the year. So if you can guard both a point guard and a center in the same game, I think that goes a long way for teams. So just being like switchable and sturdy enough to hold up on bigger players, but quick enough to guard people on the perimeter. So I, I'm just saying, I, I think maybe this is a guy that if he gets into an NBA role, it's a little more three and D-ish. Uh, do we see him like, you know, lock in on uh, on defense a little bit more? That would be my guess. And I'd be willing to take a shot on that. It could be something that doesn't actually work out that way though.
1: Um, I think part of it is an effort issue. Part of it is, I think, I don't really like his lateral quickness. I don't think he's going to be able to guard um, NBA point guards. guards. Yeah, for sure. Um, Even if... I don't know how shifty Dayton's point guard is. Javon Bennett, I think his name is. Yeah, but I don't think he's a a Trey Young or anything like that. For sure. So I think his switchability is a bit limited, a bit capped. Mm. Okay. Um, And again, he's not that... Stock machine. He's not going to rack up deflections. He's not going to get in the passing lanes. He's not going to do any of that stuff. Um. So as of right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with you. But That's fine. yeah, that, that doesn't That's mean that doesn't mean that you're you're wrong or I'm right or anything like that. So
0: yeah, we'll see how it kind of bears out longer term. I think part of this too is like. When we talked to him, it was interesting. I kind of asked, like, how did you lose all that weight? And he's like, well, I stopped eating, like, double Chipotle bowls, you know, uh, before bed, and uh, I run an extra mile a day now. Like, I think we're very early in, like, his fitness and strength-building journey. So, I'm wondering if this is a guy that, uh, you know, they can kind of build up even more physically, and and that helps things like the lateral quickness and and
1: stuff like that, too. So,
0: we'll just kind of see where he goes from here. A couple of just other names on the um, George Mason team, there's Darius Maddox that started out at Virginia tech is averaging about 14 points, three rebounds, two assists, 41% from three on, on good volume, 85% from the free throw line. Uh, Amari Kelly is a super senior for them. Um, actually it's his sixth of the year of college basketball, which is tough, but, uh, 12 rebounds, six assists, one and a half ish, um, blocks a game and 45% from three, although on pretty limited volume. I kind of really like Amari Kelly as a college player. I, I don't think he's an NBA player necessarily, but he is someone that's kind of interesting to me. He's got a little more touch. If he were like two or three years younger, I think I'd be kind of interested there. It's just um, tough when, when you're you know in your sixth year of college basketball before you're like really blossoming. And I just got to mention my guy, uh, Woody Newton, uh, local guy here too, so I want him to do well. But another switchable forward, runs the floor really well. Started off the year shooting the shit out of it. Had a kind of big slump here in the middle and is now like bounced back a a little bit here too. So um, any of the other George Mason guys stand out for you on even being like two-way candidates longer term?
1: Um, Probably the guy you mentioned last, Woody Newton. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has the most – he has the highest ceiling but also the lowest floor. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Definitely the biggest swing prospect out of those three. But the guy that I would want to take a chance on the most because I think he can – Defend really well. He was in that Syracuse system. Um, where I think you, where you play in that zone, but I think you also learn how to disrupt um, passes a lot more and uh, jump routes, that type of thing. Um, and his if his shooting clicks, I think you're talking about a positive impact player on both ends of the floor. The question is that shooting doesn't click very often stuff yeah so as, as it's kind of like a your classic sine wave will go three games where he's great and then five games where he's bad and two mm. games where he's great. so um if you can iron out that consistency i think you have you might have a something there
0: i'm not like a firm believer in this kind of thing but sometimes i, I do think it matters like if you watch them shoot around before games like what he just sits there and just drills like three yeah. after three after three and it's like okay like how are you in the low thirties right now? Um, so uh, he's going to be interesting to follow, and I don't know. He's like a likable dude, so I, I just really want the best for for somebody like Woody. And um, maybe this is another guy that you know sticking around the G League here for a little bit. He can kind of keep um, being a little bit of a late bloomer. Moving over to their A10 rival here, George Washington, just got kind of four names here. I think that are in the mix. Um, you tell me if any of them stand out to you. You've got. Uh, Freshman Darren Buchanan, kind of a 6'6 ish power player, um, pretty athletic, can't really shoot it, but averaging 15 points and six rebounds, two assists, one steal, one and a quarter steals, 23% from three, 62% from the free throw line. Almost the polar opposite of him in Garrett Johnson, a six foot eight, also freshman shooter, but he lost two years uh, due to some health issues. Again, go back and check out that pod, shameless plug. Uh, 13 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, one assist, one steal, uh, 40% from three. Like I think Garrett is like a real, real, real big time shooter with some size, but given some of the uh, 87% from the free throw line, I think backs that up too. But given some of the, just the mobility issues he's had with the hip, I think that holds him back defensively. Uh, either of those freshmen sort of stand out to you, Nick, as guys who could make an NBA roster at some point here.
1: Yeah, so GW is a team I actually got to see in person earlier okay. this year when they played Davidson. Mm-hmm. Um, and Garrett actually came away as the guy who I was most impressed with, just because of the dif- difficulty and variance of the threes that he was hitting in that game. They're just these, are, these are
0: real shooter, like a real
1: shooter. There was one where he caught it in the corner, was fading out of bounds and drilled it. Um, again. As you mentioned, very high-level shooter. If I was a high-major team, I'd be looking at him in the portal as a guy Same. that I could snatch up and. Kevin Willard, go down the street, work. baby. We need exactly. the shooters. Yeah. Um, Darren Buchanan is more of like a a brute on the inside. I would say, um, gobbles up a lot of rebounds, a lot of putbacks in the paint, but it's almost, as you mentioned, the polar opposite of Garrett. He cannot shoot. Yeah. That game against Davidson, I think he missed. What six or seven free throws in a row. Mm-hmm. It was brutal it was absolutely brutal to watch. Um, so I don't think he's at a level yet where I would even be considering him if I was a high major team to grab him up. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, very productive for GW and very good at what his role is as like a big bully ball guy on the inside.
0: I need him to be a little better defensively too. Like Garrett, I can kind of understand you know, some of the stuff there. He's coming back after two years off. It's going to take him some time. And I think he's had some hip stiffness and things like that that have kind of held him back a, a little bit here and flexibility-wise. But if you're Dan, Darren Buchanan and you're that good defensively, like GW is awful defensively. And I, I think he's one of the better defenders, but that's sort of a, a low bar. Like you need him to come back next year and be just lights out on both ends of the ball both ends of the ball and and he has to shoot at least somewhat to just even appeal to anybody like i said even at the power fire level
1: i think yeah um i don't i don't think he has that much of a mid-range game either yeah. i think his main bread and butter is backing people down gobbling up rebounds and second chance points okay. which is a very valuable skill in and of itself mm-hmm. but when you're what is he six foot eight six foot nine i don't think he's that big i think he's probably more in the six 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 seven kind of range and I was about to say, as you project if you project as like a three or a four, um, that's just not really gonna get it done unless you're a Draymond Green and you're an elite processor of the game on both Here's ends of line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh guy I just really like and he's fun to watch and like maybe my, one of my favorite college players to watch the last like two and a half years here is uh James Bishop the fourth. He's a super senior for GW. Absolute bucket, 17 points a game, three rebounds, four and a half assists. Unfortunately, like three turnovers, but Uh, he's only 35% from three this year, but on a lot of volume, like, I think he is a real deal shooter too. He's another dude that takes a ton of tough shots. And when you just watch them warm up before games, like every ball goes in the hoop from wherever he takes it from. He's also an 84% free throw shooter. And, uh, this is probably the worst shooting year he's had, uh, at GW. So I, I think there's enough sample size there to know he really shoots it. Uh, also just, given kind of the way they play and the role they ask of him. There's just almost no defense at this point, and that's really going to hold you back. But he's a guy like I wouldn't totally rule out just like absolutely microwaving people in the G League or something like that and getting a couple of call-ups here throughout. Any? Am I crazy here, I guess? Do you see any shot for James Bishop hanging around in NBA teams?
1: Not really, because we've seen that happen before where undersized volume shooters who can really stroke it from deep have gotten call-ups for... Um, from briefly from NBA teams, like I look at a guy like Chris Clemens, yeah, he's exactly. a, a lightning scorer. I think for Campbell, I think is where he went to college. Yep.
0: Yeah, he's like one of the top um, five all-time
1: leading scorers in college basketball too. Yeah, like he's he's legit. Yep. Well, was an elite shooter, really high volume, mm-hmm. and actually got a call up with the Rockets, and I think spent a couple of a couple of seasons, one yeah. or two part, seasons, parts of yeah. seasons, yeah, exactly. yeah, hanging around the fringes of the NBA. Um, so I think that's James Bishop's ceiling. I, he's another guy who I'm don't think he's six foot tall um,
0: yeah. so uh i'm i'm exactly six feet tall and I, I think james and i are probably about the same height just kind no. of being in the room with him so i i think that's if he measured six one with shoes i it wouldn't be shocking to me but he's not going to come out like six three or six four or something like that i don't think
1: but yeah the game i went to against davidson he was pulling from the logo yeah um it was incredible and there were shots that um people in the stands were like no why are you shooting that and then if they go in and you're like oh through. It was, like, unbelievable. Um, so, again, like you said, very fun player to watch. Um, I don't think he's going to be a 10-year vet in the NBA or anything, but he's the, he's the player who I could see out of the four having the highest likelihood of seeing the court next year or the year after that.
0: There was a guy for them last year, uh, when I would watch that team that uh for, it was a freshman, Max Edwards, that I thought, like, oh, okay, this is a guy that that has some NBA future here. I even mentioned him to some guys that were, you know, looking at kind of fringe players to to pay attention to. And uh it, the I don't know, the box score stuff is kind of deceptive. So Max is averaging about 12 and a half points, like a little over six and a half rebounds, one and a half assists, one steal, 36% from three uh on five attempts. Uh, per game and about 89% from the free throw line. Another dude that really looks like he can shoot it, but I just really question the feel. And he's like sturdily built like six, four ish kind of guy, good athlete, but just like does some dumb shit and takes some bad shots and doesn't defend as well as he probably should. Uh, like there's tools there. It's just kind of seems like he didn't take a big jump from freshman to sophomore.
1: So I, I don't think he's going to be on anybody's radars right now, either. Unfortunately out of the four, he's def- he's definitely the best athlete unquestionably in my opinion um the last shot of the regular regulation the game went to overtime against davidson that i was at Mm -hmm. they they drew up a play for him where he would come around the curl and basically get a wide open shot at the rim to take it and he got it and he got above the rim and then absolutely blew the layup and i think that's a good microcosm of the max edwards experience like he gives you all the physical tools so get in the right position but just make some boneheaded mistakes, like you said. And I think it's going to hold him back for now. Mm. I think when Bishop leaves, he'll have a more responsibility on his shoulders. And I think with that, the feel will hopefully come along. But as of right now, he's basically just a pure athlete, and that's about it he's the guy that when you talk to fans of the team,
0: they all just sort of like cringe when they talk about him too. And I think that's um that's kind of indicative of, of what that's been like for them this year. Uh, let's start to kind of the mid major darling, maybe of the first half of the college basketball season. And that was James Madison, uh, Terrence Edwards uh, having a great year for them. They started out red hot. I think they won their first 21 games. He's averaging 17 points, four and a half rebounds, three assists, one steal, from three on three and a half attempts, 82% free throw shooter. I buy the shooting. I buy the defense. I buy the playmaking. Like I actually think Terrence Edwards has like a puncher's chance of being a guy that like ends up on the Miami heat, you know, as like a 10th man for a couple of years. Um, What do you think of Terrence Edwards?
1: Yeah. To your point. uh, Perfect. I know the arc the word three and D gets thrown around a lot, but that's literally his calling card or threes and defense. I, I was looking up his, uh, stats the other day and mm. before i watched my first james madison game when they played marshall mm. um, he's shooting 45 percent at the rim yeah which is very poor it's not um, ideal. so as long as you can keep him outside the arc uh he'll be fine um he's we we are chatting about him actually in uh our private chat in preparation for this uh mm. meeting and for the first like five to ten minutes of watching him play i had no idea what his dominant hand was yeah because I, th- I think he's right-handed, but I think he loves dribbling with his left hand and finishing with his left hand. He throws some live dribble, yeah.
0: like bounce passes left hand, where you're just like, what the shit? Like there was one where he wraps around a guy and spins this it directly into a guy's hands for a layup. And you're like, how did this guy pull that off? And to your point, like, yeah, I had to go back and double check that he was actually right-handed.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's why I buy the playmaking. I think he can be a secondary playmaker. I think if he can can uh, add some fin- some more consistent finishing moves, then he has a real shot of being like an undrafted gem type player. Probably, I think he's, he's probably about a legit 6'4", 6'5",
0: kind of ballpark. Like, that looks like an accurate height to me.
1: Yeah, I think if, if he can become more of an off-ball scorer as well, because he's not going to be asked to do as much creation... Um, I think that will help expand his game as well because we know he can do some of the on-ball stuff. Um, so I think the two keys for me are becoming a better finisher mm-hmm. because if they run you off the line, you're gonna have to be able to do something. Um, and um working more off screens and taking a higher volume of sh- of threes um in, in that sort of ilk as opposed to just like stand up dribble or stationary catch and shoot, which is what a lot of college players do. And then they come to the NBA and realize that, you know, yeah. where you're full sprint off curls, mm-hmm. trying to catch and move. And so we saw it with like a guy like Aaron Nesmith, where his three pointer like completely fell off for the first couple of years. Cause he had to get used to that. So I think that's going to be an issue for him too. When he takes the step up, but, and like you said, I think he's got the the foundation there to be a solid role player. It's, it's just one of those guys where you just watch him
0: do like enough stuff and not to be like corny, but he does like winning things for them and, and he drives a lot of what they do. So I think he's, um, I don't know. He's a guy that if I heard the wizards were bringing him in for a workout, I wouldn't write it off as like, Oh, they're bringing in kind of a local guy. Like I would buy that. This is a guy they think can, you know, impact the team um, a longer term. So, His teammate, TJ Bickersnaff, is probably the next best guy to talk about in this realm. And I don't see NBA player there personally. Uh, Senior, averaging 14 points, about eight rebounds. um, Less than a half a block a game, which is weird for a dude that big. Uh, Absolutely does not shoot it. So uh, I just don't think there's much long-term future there. But he's related to a bunch of NBA people. So maybe he gets a longer look than a lot
1: of other guys would. Mid-major Julian Reese. I think yeah, right? exactly. yep. um, for him, he doesn't take as many left-handed hook shots. I think he has a, a better arsenal than that. But in terms of overall offensive game, very similar. Um, He wouldn't really be on most radars if he wasn't J.B. Bickerstaff's nephew. So I think he gets a shot on the Cavs' summer league team, and we'll see where it goes from there. But, yeah, I agree with you. Nowhere near Edwards' potential as an NBA player. Uh, Very fun college one, though. Yeah, for sure. And then they're a fun team to watch too.
0: They'll hang a hundred points on somebody and not really even have to work that hard to do it. So all right, let's rapid fire through the rest of these guys here. We'll just give a quick sentence or two on each of them, and then uh, we'll just see if there's anyone of the group you want to spend a little more time on. I'll start with VCU's Max Shulga, Six foot four shooter, guard, you know, scorer type. Uh, What do you think of Shulga's game?
1: Uh, Great shooter. Doesn't create a lot of separation, so I don't really see much of uh his future on ball as a mm-hmm. pro player we'll have to work more on the off ball stuff as well yep. um but the shooting fundamentals are there and i think that's what his calling card is mm-hmm. going to be he's 41
0: percent from three uh, about 87 percent from the free throw line played at uh, utah state under ryan odom he's out vcu under ryan odom i think he'll know offense and and gets by enough defensively so interesting player there uh jordan king from richmond just kind of undersized, super senior bucket getter. Uh, but I watched him hang 32 on somebody earlier in the year. And he was just hitting from fucking all over the place. And it was like, okay, I'm watching like little Steph Curry. Uh, you know, it was, it was kind of hard to reconcile, but uh, any shot of Jordan King hanging, hanging around the NBA at any point,
1: there was a player coming out of Liberty a few years ago, Darius McGee. Yep. That's who Jordan King reminds me of. Yep. And. I don't think Darius McGee ended up getting NBA minutes, but he did hang around the summer league. And I think he's on a two way, I think for a little limit. bit with somebody. So, yeah. So I, I think Jordan King definitely could, especially when we talk about like a James Bishop earlier, mm-hmm. where little volume scorers have chances to hang around the fringes as long as they can keep scoring in efficient clips. So, uh, slightly bigger
0: than that, but also uh, slightly maybe undersized volume score here. UMBC's Deion Brown, six foot three, averaging nine, about 19 points a game, seven rebounds, which is uh, great for a guy that size, two and a half assists. Unfortunately, about three and a half turnovers, but he's 37% from three, uh, 77% from the free throw line. I just kind of like watching this guy play. I have no idea if he has any NBA future whatsoever, but he's a fun college player to watch. And they're I really haven't bad,
1: watched, so uh he's I injured. haven't watched a full UMBC game yet. I don't know if that's because it
0: it's still a PTSD from 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. And you're not missing anything this year. Um, I think they're like six
1: and twenty or something like that. But from what I can tell, I think he's a great creator for mm. a guy of his size for sure. Um, and when you can create both um, your own your own shot and your shot for others, I think you have a good chance. I think he does need to step up a level from UMBC in order to get himself firmly on draft radars. But I think it should be interesting for, for high major teams to look at. Yeah. As a sophomore, there's
0: still some room to grow there. Another yeah. one, um, kind of hint his, you know, neighborhood year, uh, Christian may from Towson, also a sophomore, about six foot five, uh, for any of the DMV high school fans, he went to Bishop O'Connell. I uh, was averaging 12 points, four rebounds, about one assist, 37% from three on, on pretty good volume, only a 62% free throw shooter. Uh, I don't know. I watched a video on him getting an NIL deal for Bagel World up in uh, Hunt Valley. It was interesting to see, but uh, I don't. I don't think there's much NBA uh, future so far. But another guy that maybe if he scaled up a level, uh, he could show some things.
1: Yeah, I have to, I have to try Bagel World now. If <laughs> <Yeah. that place. laughs>
0: yeah, I, I may have blown that one up, so I bagel something. But uh, more power to him for getting some no. NIL uh, love out of the deal.
1: I, I don't want to say too much because I haven't watched a full Towson game yet, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, other one here, we got Chauncey Jenkins of ODU, senior, six foot four, sixteen 16 points per game, three and a half rebounds, about three assists, one steal, 33% from three, 74% from the free throw line. Freakishly athletic. He, he's like his whole highlight reel is just going to be poster, 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 poster. Um, mm-hmm. But do you
1: think Jenkins kind of has any NBA future? Um, athletes like that will always get chances, mm-hmm. um, whether that be. Um, extended looks in the Summer League sure. or in the G League. Um, they actually had a freshman, uh, Vashon Alette, I think, mm, yeah. at the beginning of the year who was lighting it up, and then he got kicked off the team. I think he was actually their best prospect. Sure. Um, until he, but, that, of course, that's not going to be the case anymore. But um, John C. Jenkins will definitely hang around the fringes for a while. I think, I think so. He, he should be for a good like G League player, I think. He should be a look for the go-go, I, definitely. Yeah, that'd be good. Definitely. Great. Because when you have those athletic gifts and that scoring um, potential, I think th- that's a good foundation for a solid G league player. Yeah. Uh,
0: just let's spend a minute on the Howard guys. Cause there's just a couple of guys here that are really interesting to me and they're a fun team to watch. I don't think any of them are, are going to do a whole lot at the, the NBA level, but they're worth keeping an eye on uh, for Maryland fans. You might remember Marcus Dockery he didn't really latch on long-term Maryland, but uh, he's, having a great junior year for Howard so far this year, shooting pretty well. Bryce Howard is sort of this like undersized bully ball. Like, could he be Terry, uh, like Terry Taylor that played for the Pacers 2.0 kind of guy. Uh, I've got Shaheem Odom. Uh, If anybody watched Sierra Canyon and the Brownie teams, like he played on those uh, teams back in the day, like this six foot six ish, powerfully built like point forward. Almost. I thought this was a dude that would blow up this year, but he's averaging about eight points four rebounds, two and a half assists, uh, as a sophomore and just, just really is not shooting the ball well at all. Unfortunately, that's going to be the first thing he has to fix to have a chance. And then maybe the like polar opposite of him, uh, their teammate Seth towns, who is a super, 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 super senior. I think this is, he started his college basketball career eight years ago, uh, for anybody that remembers him at Ohio state or Harvard blew his knees out. took some time off, um, plays in a giant knee brace, but he's about six, eight, six, nine. He shoots the absolute shit out of it. And, uh, it's really cool to see him play like the Kevin Durant role, you know, with some of the shots he takes for, for Howard. Sometimes,
1: uh, any of those guys staying out to
0: you at all? Uh,
1: If he wasn't 28 years, 26, 27 years old, I think think. pounds would be the, uh, top prospect for me again, because his game is so silky smooth. Yeah, Um, but I think the story in itself is awesome that that he's able to fight back and become such an efficient player. Mm -hmm. Um, Out of the other three, though, uh, Dockery is your classic catch and shoot guy. Just hangs out in the corner, buries threes, doesn't really do much beyond that. Mm. I think Bryce Harris um, is a a great downhill scorer. Um, I don't know how well that will translate to a pro style game. Not much, I don't think. Yeah, Um, I think he's been he's been playing really well for Howard. He's a consistently like, you know,
0: conference player of the week or defensive player of the week sometimes too. And, um, he's, he's a fun watch for anyone. And that I watched the won.
1: Howard game and every time he just go 90 miles an hour, <laughs> he, just pull go closes, in. You. he yeah. closes you, he closes in, yeah, yeah, or draw a foul every single time. Um, and I think that's why his scoring numbers are so good. But I think I, uh, after watching Howard, I agree with you. Shy yeah. Houghton is the shy Odom is the highest upside player. I think we were, we were chatting before and you were like, oh, you watched him as freshman you're like oh this is this might be bruce brown exactly very similar style game um like the definition of a secondary creator Mm -hmm. is is shy odom but the the production just hasn't been there this year Um, he's
0: dealt with some injuries and stuff too that's maybe held him back but uh he's a guy that needs to blow up next year i think to, to even get like back on radars for people yeah agreed uh all right um saint Mary's got to give them a love. I love their team. Uh, Dakota Lafew, well, we talked about this, kind of the undersized scoring guard who can just light people up. He's probably about six foot three. As a senior, he's averaging 18 points, four and a half rebounds, four assists, one and a half steals, about three turnovers, 34% from three on about seven attempts per game, 77% from the free throw line. I think he is a better shooter than that percentage, but he like basically... Is there like Allen Iverson, you know, for, for Mount, Sam, so many, uh, Mount St. Mary's like, they just surround him with defenders and, and make him kind of do all the offensive stuff. He's a guy I think that could get, you know, some, some G League minutes and then have some production there. Uh, and just let's close out with the American guys. Uh, my boy, Matt Rogers is having an amazing year for American. Uh, he's probably one of the two best players in the Patriot League. I think sixteen points, six rebounds a game, one and a half assists, about one steal, about uh, three, two thirds of a block. 37% from three 33 or 73% from the free throw line. Uh, the shooting I really buy for, for a guy that's about six, nine, not really much of a rim protector, or super switchable. Uh, you know, no, no shade to my boy, Matt. I think he could have like a crazy good, productive overseas career and also do some things at the G league level, but probably not
1: an NBA player here. Um uh, sure They just beat Colgate who was uh top of the Patriot league. So yeah. they're really storming towards a uh, possible March madness berth.
0: Yeah, they're they one of the three best Patriot League teams. They've struggled against some of the weaker teams in the league. I want to say they just lost to Navy earlier today, unfortunately, which is which is not ideal. But uh, they've had some like real injury stuff here too. So I think if they can get healthy in the tournament, they could beat anyone in that league probably. Uh, the one guy on their team, I would just say maybe keep an eye on longer term. He's definitely years away from this probably at this point. But is Matt Mayock uh, six foot eight freshman, averaging about nine points a game, two and a half rebounds. Uh, 42% from three right now, about 77% from the free throw line. I think just like in a couple of years, he's a guy that if he was on a radar, like it wouldn't shock me. And they had a guy transfer out of there last year, with a similar archetype. Um, and Johnny O'Neill, he's playing really well for Santa Clara, another six foot nine guy. He was a stretchy shooter kind of dude. So, so I'm going to keep an eye on, uh, Ooh. Nick, anyone else here to close us out? I think we've been pretty thorough for covering the entire, uh, tri-state area here. It seems like.
1: Very brief shout out to Toby Lawall of okay. VCU. Um, very similar to Ryan Dunn in that he's a very good defender and a very poor offensive player. Um, but um stood out on the VCU tape that I watched um, as he was he was rated for me as their high best prospect just because of that absurd length and how well he uses it. Not quite as good as Dunn, but um still an interesting player to keep tabs on.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Nick. Uh, if there were any of these guys we talked about here that aren't currently projected to be drafted players, if you had to kind of hang your hat on just one of them at the very least, like here's a guy that I think, uh, you know, I'm putting my reputation on as, as a guy that could kind of break out a little bit. Is there anyone here that um, that you feel okay. strongly enough about to kind of...
1: Oh, kinda man, my reputation?
0: I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, not your whole reputation, but like, you know. I, a,
1: yeah, probably Keyshawn Hall, just because of his uh, skill combination mm-hmm. and how valuable that is to, to current NBA teams. Um, I think if he shows more consistency on that defensive end, I think he could be very easily jump into draftable range, even, even maybe into the first round, like you've been first, first round. round kind yeah.
0: of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. That's the dude for me too. Just as a sophomore, there's room to grow there too. And uh, I think the, the best is uh, yet to come for someone like that. I had to throw out maybe one more name here. Uh, hmm. Yeah, if Garrett Johnson hung around as just like a knockdown, come in and be a Duncan Robinson type shooter for some team, like it wouldn't totally shock me either, especially as he gets healthier and stronger and things like that too. So uh, shout out to him. He's just such a great story. I, I want something like that for a guy like that. Uh, Nick, last question. Where can people find all of the good NBA content you create and draft content specifically you're putting out here?
1: Um, so most of my stuff is on Twitter. Um, at Cali Drafts, K-A-L-I Drafts. And then I have a pinned tweet, which is linked to all of my analytics stuff. So I am a data scientist in my other life. Sure. And so I do a lot of my analytics projects on basketball. And so I have a lot of um, links to cool stuff that uh, you can play around with uh, in there. And not you're going to
0: have to explain this better than I have, but you have a, a system you have built here, I guess an algorithm of some sort that will tell players, you know, how draft or tell you how draftable a player is or isn't basically. Um, can you explain that just a little bit for folks?
1: Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Basically, um, I took the a stats database of every college player going back to 2009, um, along with their biometric information, like height, weight, and wingspan, wherever I have it. And uh, they're recruiting information and basically ran a model on it and said, um, give me an output for how likely a player is on a scale from zero to 100 on getting drafted into the NBA based off of the historical college data. Okay. Um, and so every couple of weeks, I'll put out an update for the top 100 players that the algorithm thinks will get drafted. And usually it has about a 70% hit rate mm-hmm. at predicting people out of, out of those who stay in the draft. So that's my, uh, that's my, my main calling card in the analytics world.
0: No, it's been really fun to pay attention to just cause it's a nice, like fact check for me. Like, all right, am I way out of line with liking this guy here? Is there anything to support this uh, data wise? So um, it's cool to just kind of see the, the comparison between the two things there. So uh, if you're not following Nick again, uh, his um, Twitter handle will be in the episode description here. Make sure you're doing it. Cause uh, you, you, this kind of stuff. Uh, Nobody I know goes this deep on as many guys as Nick does. So I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for rescheduling with me once or twice here. I appreciate the flexibility. Of course. Uh, I was excited about this. Well, uh, we'll have to do one of these here again. We'll do a little more wizard specific themed uh, one here closer to the, the draft time too.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for having me on. This was awesome. Um, You love listening to your stuff. You're, you're awesome at what you do. And um, thank you for giving, keeping, keep yeah thank you for giving me the platform been a long been a long day to, I, uh, to talk about this stuff and being so enthusiastic
0: to have me on it's awesome no, I love it yeah, appreciate you man uh, I, you're a nice dude but I wouldn't ask you if you weren't really good at this so uh thank you very <laughs> much So no, uh of course I would um, but anyway uh thanks man that's appreciated and uh we'll definitely do one of these again here in a little bit uh, hopefully after the tournament or something there's more to talk about and see what uh you know our stance on some of these guys has changed even as uh, we get closer to the draft time. Everybody, you know the drill. Hit that little like button for us. Hit subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And if you want to leave us an iTunes review, we always love that kind of stuff. We're presented by betonline.ag and we will catch you all next time.